Welcome to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, a podcast all about leadership, change, and personal growth. The goal? To help you lead like never before in your church or in your business. And now, your host, Carrie Newhoff. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. My name is Carrie Newhoff, and I hope our time together today helps you lead like never before. And man, I've been waiting for a long time for this conversation to hit the air. Uh, today, I am sitting down with somebody who has her own podcast. She launched her own podcast called Intersection, which you should really listen to if you get a chance. It's in iTunes. But she's also been a friend for over a decade. Uh, my wife, Tony, and I have been friends with her husband, Rob, for over a decade. And of all the people I have met over the years, I don't think anybody does a better job of having conversations with unchurched people than Rose Meter. Like, she laps me personally on this. And if you're a regular listener to this podcast, if you read my blog, you know I have a heart for reaching unchurched people. And in a post-Christian culture, that just gets harder and harder because it's not like people are going around every day going, you know what? I need some Jesus. Can you help me? And uh, Rose is just masterful at having conversations with people who are far from God, many of whom we baptized at Connexus Church, many of whom have come to faith. And I sat down with her uh, a few months ago and said, okay, I want the secret sauce. I want to figure out how you do this. How do you actually have conversations without being judgmental with people who are very, very different than you and maybe share very few of your values? Like, how do you even do that? And Rose is masterful. She's brilliant. She's a medical doctor, uh, but she's a busy mom. She's got four kids of her own. You know, she's married. She's got a medical practice. And she does this over and over and over again. So I think you're going to love it. From two perspectives. Number one, I think it'll help you get better at having conversations with people who maybe aren't like you. And secondly, I just think it'll help your church raise its outreach temperature. I think we can all do a better job. So super excited to have this. Also, I want to let you know about a couple of things before we jump into the interview. First of all, I know some of you, brand new year, you know, we're not that far into it, and you are trying to figure out how do I train my volunteers? And so if you do it the traditional way, you gather people on a Saturday morning or a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night or whatever, and you hope everybody shows up and ta-da, ta-da, guess what? They don't. You know, 30% of the people show up or 50% and you're like, well, great. I did the best I could with the people who were in the room, but how do I train everybody who's not in the room? That's why if you haven't yet checked out trainedup.org, you got to check them out because you can move all of your training online and you can actually walk people through modules and you can see whether they did their homework or not. And basically you can raise your success rate in training up volunteers from your current rate to significantly higher. So if you haven't yet visited our partner site, trainedup.org, make sure you do that. Scott Magdalene and the people there are doing an unbelievable job helping large and small churches figure out how they can train their volunteers meaningfully. Trainedup.org, make sure you check that out or you can find it in the show notes. And I'm super excited because this is the third and final launch for now of the High Impact Leader course. Man, I am so blown away and excited that over 1,300 leaders have already jumped in to the High Impact Leader course. And what's really exciting, I want you to go to the highimpactleader.com. Just check it out. Maybe it's for you. Maybe not. It's up to you. But 
Our team has been working really, really hard, and we might just might have a team edition available for this release of the High Impact Leader course. Regardless, you can figure out on an individual level how to get time, energy, and priorities working in your favor in 2017, but our team has been working double overtime, and as I record this, I'm like 90% sure we're going to have a team edition, uh, but you can go over to the highimpactleader.com and check it out so that you can not only train yourself, but your volunteers, your staff, your elder board, or whatever in learning how to do what you're best at while you're at your best. Now, you've heard me talk a lot about the high impact leader. So if you're a regular listener, you know all about it. But what I love most is connecting with you. And I've heard from a lot of you about the difference the course is making. And there was one story in particular that just really grabbed my heart because of the circumstances surrounding a young leader by the name of Joel Rowland. And so I asked Joel if he'd be willing to have a conversation, tell us a little bit about his story, and then what the high impact leader has meant to him. So listen into my conversation with Joel Rowland. Really tugged my heartstrings. And uh, man, I'm just so encouraged that people like Joel are in leadership. Listen in. Well, I'm here with Joel Rowland. Joel, thanks so much for joining us for a few minutes today. Glad to be here. Hey, uh, we've heard from a, a number of people who have taken the High Impact Leader course, and we've got over a thousand leaders who have gone through it right now. But when you reached out to me, your story really moved me because you ended up in in a place not only of tragedy, but great responsibility pretty young in life. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, when I was 20 years old, I had been married for three years, got married when I was 17, yeah. and my dad was With your parents' a blessing, right? Like, they, they're, yes. they're great with, with it. with my parents' okay. blessing, that's right. Um, my dad was planning a church, and I was going to help him out, be the associate pastor, really, in learning and training. And I had a 16-year-old little sister, and the Friday night before we opened the church on that Sunday was the plan. My mom and dad were hit in a car accident by a drunk driver took their life. And um, my little sister was 16 and my wife and I took her in. And wow. I ended up becoming the pastor of my dad's church plant from that point. My so goodness. I became a husband, father, pastor, all in just a really a matter of a few weeks. That's unbelievable. I mean, to lose both of your parents at once so young, I mean, that that just that just gripped me. And yet and then you and your wife, young as you were at the time, decided to take your sister in. That's that's pretty amazing. Yes. You were, you were telling me ahead of time, uh, getting married young, it was probably the only way that, that God could have engineered that because there was really not a lot of other family around to, to take your sister in at the time, right? Right. Yes. And because you and your wife were on a solid footing by that point, you felt you, you could do it. So, Right. And then you're in that incredible time of taking over your dad's church, what was supposed to be your dad's church. And and here you right. are. How many years ago was that, that that happened? Joel? That was six years ago. Wow. 2010. So you're, so you're 26 now. I'm 27. Yeah. 27. Okay. 27. Yeah. Forgive my math. It's okay. 27. And so as a young leader, you've got an awful lot of responsibility. And then uh, you wrote me to tell me that the High Impact Leader course has really helped you because you've got a pretty overwhelming 2017 staring you in the face, yes. right? Tell us yes. some of the challenges you're taking on. So looking at 2017, I have um, I have several engagements coming up. So I'm speaking at a missions conference. I'm going to Ecuador with Samaritan's Purse. I'm going to train the church planner at the North American Mission Board. I have a youth camp that I'm preaching. I have a student training with the organization I'm part of. So I have a, a really big calendar of events along with my day-to-day 
schedule. So as I was looking at that, the high impact leader course was, it was perfect. When I read through, I was like, this is exactly what I need to plan my 2017. So tell me, what were some of the, the teachings so far that have resonated with you that you went, oh man, that's, that's going to be helpful? I think that the opening really spoke to me as it talked about abandoning balance and pursuing passion, Mm. Um, because I've often thought about that. Am I supposed to balance my family and balance being a father and balance my work and balance ministry when I want to be passionate about all of those things? I want to give each one of those things all of me, not just a little bit of me. And so as I read that, it was like, yes, that makes so much sense that I'm supposed to give all of myself and be passionate about each of those responsibilities in my life. Well, tell us, like, you sent me your fixed calendar. Like, that was that was crazy what you did. It, it was great. Tell me how that's impacted you, the whole, whole teaching yeah. around the fixed calendar. Yes, the fixed calendar is amazing because when I sat down and I looked at all of these events in my daily task, it was really overwhelming as I saw it. And as I began to go through, I took your advice. And so I, I scheduled time for preparation, time for devotion. And as I scheduled all of those things for 2017, But then I was able to go back and prepare for each one of those about how much study time it would take, how much preparation time, taking days off to spend with my family. And as I was able to get the overall view and kind of see the forest instead of just the trees, things begin to get a lot less overwhelming because I wasn't just seeing the events, but I was seeing the preparation that it took to get to those events. And I think that made a major difference for me of um, taking a lot of stress out that it's not just the event that I prepare for, but it's the preparation of the preparation that takes place to get there. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Now, uh, any other uh, thing from the course you want to share with leaders or, or anything else that you would just say to leaders who are looking at next year going, gosh, I wonder if I could do something more, whether I could get out of the overwhelm. Right. I think the way that you described in the course that we all have the same amount of time from the president to the disciples to the most successful person around, we all have the same amount of time. And I've caught myself saying, if I only had more time, I could get this done. Or if I only had more time, I could take on this responsibility. But to really realize I'm never going to get any more time. It's just how I manage my time, but not only my time, but my energy. And Mm. I think that made a huge difference for me is to find those times that that I was high energy to do the tasks that I needed to, to do. Well, Joel, I just want you to know I'm cheering for you. I think a lot of us will be cheering for you as we head into, uh, you know, in these early days of 2017 and probably your more most ambitious year yet. So thank you so yes. much for sharing that with us. I appreciate it. Thank you, Carrie. It's an honor to be here. See, this is, this is why I love being able to do what we do. So, Joel, thanks so much for sharing that. Thanks for staying in leadership under difficult circumstances. And I really hope uh, that some of these resources that we offer help. And, and thanks so much for being one of the, the leaders who stepped into the High Impact Leader course. So, hey, if you want to do that, there's just a couple days left. The course registration closes on Thursday. Once you have it, you can do it whenever you want on your own time. You can do it later this year or whatever, but it's available at a sale price only only until this Thursday, January the 19th, and you can get all the details at thehighimpactleader.com. So, hey, thank you so much for listening. We are going to jump into a wonderful conversation, at least it was for me, with Rose Zacharias Meter. Well, I'm really excited to have Rose. Is it Zacharias or Meter or all of the above on my you know, podcast? You know, now I'm combining my surnames. So okay. here you go. So my name is Rose Zacharias Meter. So here's a trivia bit for you. Yeah. You're the only repeat last name ever on the podcast. You and Ravi Zacharias. 
I know. Are you and possibly like related somehow? Oh my goodness. No, but what a crazy, amazing compliment. If people <laughs> ever even ask me, this is big shoes. to. This is an honor, Carrie, honestly, oh. to sit in the seat, proverbial seat, where you've had Ravi Zacharias, Chuck Swindoll, Andy Stanley. And today you're talking to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was the whole vision <laughs> behind the podcast, right? It's people we know. And then there, I guess the common denominators are all people I know. Mm-hmm. And uh, we go way back, right? We like do. you and your yep. husband became part of our uh, the church I was part of before we launched Connexus. Yes. And I met you when you were straight out of med school. Yeah, I was just uh, landed my first family practice, emergency room practice job here in Aurelia. Mm-hmm. And uh, literally, my husband and I came to town. We were checking out churches and we started in the phone book. And I think he was actually working at the hospital that morning, but I came out on my own and uh, was introduced to you by a colleague of mine who was attending yeah. attending the church you were at. And uh, and then you remembered my name. So I was I really well, impressed. There were a lot less people back then. <laughs> so it was a lot easier. When your church gets a little bit bigger, it gets a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. But now, no, it was, it was great to meet you. And I mean, mm-hmm. you were a young, you didn't even have kids then. That's right. Yeah, I know. Four kids later. Oh my gosh, our family has grown. And we yes. go way back. We used to host a radio show back in the day. We did. We did. Remember Life radio? Matters. Life I Matters. That. And that was at the time of all my pregnancies. We used to time the, the broadcast and the, yeah. the, you know, pre-recording the episode so that I could go and have my baby. And then yes. because Six they all weeks came later, along. Exactly. <laughs> we could come back and do well, some more shows. The four of them came along in four and a half years. But that was a few years ago. Now that was the 10 youngest, years ago, I the think. The youngest, my youngest is seven. My oldest is 12. Yeah. So, yeah. And you and your husband are both docs and yeah. uh, very heavily involved at our church. Yes. Uh, you also are of recent podcast fame. Yeah, so. well, I have a re- recent podcast producer person. I love my podcast project. Um, uh-huh. I don't know how famous it's become yet, but I love it. And so thank you. You've been a bit of a mentor and a role model to me, Carrie. Thank well, it's you fun. so you much. You and Rob came over and you're like, let me see your gear. Yes. And then six months later, you got a podcast of your own. So yes. we'll link to all this in the show notes. Thank but you. one of the, the reasons, I mean, you, you and Rob have been a good friend, uh, good friends for years and years and years. We've mm. been at each other's houses millions of times. We've done life together. We have done life together. We've been in a small group together the whole deal. Yeah. Uh, but what one of the things that I've learned about you, Rose, is you're honestly, I think, one of the best inviters of people to church I know. And you probably have more <laughs> relationships with people who wouldn't consider themselves Christian and wouldn't normally find themselves in church and maybe would have like entirely different viewpoints than Christians would on things. Mm. And the reason I think that's such a burning issue, number one, mm-hmm. if you're a church leader, you want your church to grow. Number two, mm-hmm. Everybody kind of realizes, okay, our culture is becoming way more post-Christian and way more post-modern. And even if that's not true, if you're a Gen X or a baby boomer, you look around like, no, I know a lot of Christians. Go hang out with some millennials. Mm-hmm. You you will discover yes. they think a lot more like Canadians have been thinking for mm. years. And mm-hmm. so here we are trying to, you know, we're part of the same church. You're part of Connexus Church, which I'm a part of. Yes. And we're trying to make a def- difference in yes. Barry Aurelia online and beyond. We're launching new campuses, Christmas in four cities last year, you know, like all that stuff. Yes. We're, we're trying to make a dent. But it means you're going to have conversations with people who are very, very different. Absolutely. Now, your husband says, Rob says, you're just a natural at it. Uh, Now, tell me, what, (laughs) like, how did you get interested? You are fascinated by people, aren't you? Yeah. Oh, I'm a people person. I know that about myself for sure. 
And it's definitely a natural extension of my inborn personality is, oh, I love to get to know people. I love that that honest, um, slightly one layer peeled back level of relationship where you are yourself with someone. And having honest conversations with people is is very important to me. And so I seek it out. Some people might say I'm almost a little nosy, but I'm curious. And so I... Yeah, you do this thing, right? <laughs> when we haven't seen each other for a couple yeah. of weeks or a month, where you're like, you just zone in on someone. I do. And this is, can I do my Rose impersonation? Okay, you go. All right. Yeah. I've never done this for you. But you're like, okay, we are going to catch up before we leave tonight. Yes. Yeah, you do I that. know. So I, I've called it investigative conversation. It's intentional. <laughs> okay. It's, <laughs> it can sound a bit... Um, yeah, harsh, but Hey, I want to, I want to use my time. Well, I care about the person I'm talking to. If it's someone I have any sort of background or context with, then I want to catch up and I want to really know, like, how are you doing? What's new in this area? And I, I go there and Mm -hmm. I, I do ask those questions fairly quickly and fairly, um, upfront in the conversation. And, uh, and I think it leads to a deeper relationship. Well, you know, the other thing that just sort of occurred to me while you were talking about it is a lot of us are really good at talking about ourselves. And we're really good mm-hmm. at, like, if you think about building a relationship with people who maybe don't believe what you believe or yes. uh, go to your church, often it would be like, I got to sell you on something, right? Uh-huh. Like, I want to tell you about me. I want to tell you about my church. Yeah. And you do. We'll get to that. Like, you yeah. talk to people. But one of the things you're very, very good at, and I think what makes conversations so interesting, is you kind of park yourself. It's not like, here's what, here's what's up with my kids, or here's... Mm-hmm. Like, I always know what's going on in your world. <laughs> but like, when you're in that mode, it is all about the person you're talking to. Mm-hmm. And you're like, so tell me, how's it really going? Yeah. And how's the family... And, and you remember details. Like you will ask me about my mm. podcast or you'll mm. say, aren't you supposed to be writing a book right now? How's that going? It's like next subject. How's your biking going? How's my biking yes. going? Yeah, it's like, or not going Rose. Uh-huh. Or plans to run your first marathon. Yeah, that's right. That yeah. was a joke. Oh, Wasn't oh. that in sound check? All right. <laughs> Just check it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I might do it. Uh, see, but you, you're very, very good at being interested Hmm. in the other person. And Hmm. I think that is a lost art in our culture. Oh, well, I think I figured it out. I mean, now I'm in my mid-40s, Carrie. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think I've had this personality almost quirk for the longest time. I grew up as one one girl of three girls. I'm the oldest of uh, three daughters. And uh, my sisters knew about me fairly early on that I wanted to talk to them. And, uh, and just, you know, how you grow up in your family and probably the things that maybe are going to turn out to be not so bad personality aspects of yourself, your family doesn't really appreciate. <laughs> so and here's so, Rose again, asking yeah, questions. Exactly. And so, you know, I think I even maybe learned early on that not everybody's interested. Um, and my sisters sometimes weren't. And they'd say, listen, that's my business. We don't need to go there all the time. Um, and, uh, and so I, I knew I had this part of my personality, but here I am in my mid forties. It's time to embrace who you are. I know I love to have uh, deeper conversations, small talk. Oh, I find tiresome. So mm-hmm. if I have the opportunity to, to so meet it's small talk or no talk for me. 
Well, yeah, small talk initially. <laughs> Increasingly, the older I get, the more it's no talk. I know. I'll just sit in the corner on And my all phone. our lives are busy. Yeah. And so when you have the opportunity to socialize, like if I make a coffee date with someone or I have a little bit of downtime at work and I happen to be in conversation with someone, well, then I want to use those minutes. It is all about efficiency too. Yeah. I want to use those minutes. And and people often maybe don't get asked how they're doing and so I think that's when, very true. when you ask, how are you doing? And someone opens up, then I, I just think the richness of the conversation just, it, it, it comes out. It's so enjoyable. It's, it's, it's good. It's important. I don't know why, uh, whether I'm just becoming more sensitive to it or whether I just see more of it. It's a cultural shift, but I, you know, you learn sort of people 101. Okay ask people questions. Rose, how are you doing? Tell me what's new. How's yeah. Rob? I know you're working on a couple of projects. Bring sure. me up to date. Yes. And so I'll have those conversations in social settings or even church settings or whatever. And I'll ask people lots of questions. And then normally, naturally, what should happen is they should ask you, well, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. What's going on? How's Tony? How are the boys? Uh, how's the church doing? You sure. know, what's going on? Are you biking? Did yes. you have a vacation? You're right. like, you know, <laughs> just like, and the number of times it's a one-sided conversation just seems to be growing where mm. I ask a lot of questions. Maybe it's just, you know, I needed a shower or I don't, I don't know what it was. <laughs> Keep it's like, or people, yeah, there's something I'm missing. Uh -huh. But I think the death of conversation is, real conversation is is happening. Let me ask you, why does that fuel you? Do you know that? Why does knowing the details of my life? Because I can see it's obviously very fueling to you. Mm. You know, I use the word gift. I think it's a gift when someone is honest with me about their stuff. Because right. you, you don't put up with crap answers either. Well, You're like... I I think everyone actually has a real answer. Like yeah. I actually think, you know, on any given day, if someone to at, was to ask you, "How are you doing?" There's 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 a superficial answer that right. you'll give. You'll even say, "Fine," because hey, we're Canadian, and we say, "Doing fine." Um, that's not necessarily a Canadian <laughs> thing, but it's it's a it's a, a, a cultural thing. But there is there is another answer. You are not always doing fine. There are, There is some stuff going on. You have had some inner dialogue about your day so far. And, and so I, when I am able to lean in and ask, how are you doing? And an honest answer comes back. That's cool. I mean, that's yeah. just, it's, it's, a, it's a privilege. Uh, it's a gift. It's, it feels good to be trusted that but way. you'll also, you know, it depends on how well you know the person, but you will cut through the veneer because there are times where you said, how are you doing, Carrie? And I'm like, I'm good. And then you hmm. look at me and go, really? Hmm. Really? <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, it's been a tough Because week. it's a waste of time to stay <laughs> in the I'm fine. Right. It's a waste of time. I mean, we can do these niceties with each other, but really, like, then I have other things to do. Like, then I actually am busy with other stuff. Like, if we're going to have a conversation, let's have a real and honest conversation, even if it's just catching up or, yeah, how you're doing. Otherwise, I'm going to move on. Right. <laughs> do you ever find that your level of depth will intimidate or frighten people? Or do you feel that people normally like, hey, yeah, this is really good. Nobody asked me this stuff. Mm, exactly both. You see both. So yeah. you see people get uncomfortable? Yeah, yeah. What do you do? So, 
Well, then, you know, there's respect that's appropriate. And, uh, and, and also I think, I think a lost opportunity. I mean, at that point when I've had the opportunity to ask someone how they're really doing and they've nicely turned me down from my perspective, I think, oh, okay, you know, we could have used those two to five to 10 to 20 minutes and had an honest conversation. But, but for one reason or another, that person's not going there today. And that's, Okay, that's okay. You know what? It's funny. Just asking you the question, I'm like, yes, I've seen that part of you. Because again, you and your husband, me and my wife, we've done hundreds of hours of groups together. Yeah. I don't know how many times we've spent. We've I don't been know, years. A ridiculous. In group. Year, yeah. Rob and I have decade, been your and Tony's small group leaders for decade, years. Yeah. You know, where we've been at each other's houses and in each other's lives. So I've, I've become a student of like watching this dynamic. <laughs> what did you know you were being studied? <laughs> Not really. But here's what you do. Here's what you do. Bless you. When Thanks. somebody is uncomfortable, and I've seen that, you're like, you know, so let's do that role play where you're like, Carrie, how you doing? I'm like, I'm good. And you're like, really? And you can tell, okay, now you've hit a nerve or yeah. I'm not going to talk about it. You're, you you will come alongside somebody and go, you know, that's okay. Yeah. Like if you don't, if you don't want to talk about it, that's all right. Yeah. But if you do, yeah, I want you to know I'm here for you. I hope so. I mean, I want to be respectful. I've, I've seen you do that. Okay. Okay. Because it's not everybody's day to have right. a real conversation about how they're doing. And honestly, I have also been asked sometimes by people, how are you really doing? And I haven't always gone there with my mm -hmm. answer for one reason or another. And so, yeah, it doesn't always happen. But I think being intentional and looking for it creates and opens up these beautiful opportunities to have authentic relationships with people and really be invited into their space. And that's just cool. That's my heartbeat. That is that is the relationships that I want to have in real life. It fuels me. It strengthens me. I feel bolstered by people in my, in my life who have shared some of their stuff with me. Yeah, you really do. And like, you enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want to say, I don't want to say like, <laughs> if I have a problem, you enjoy I it. Freaking yeah. but when I, like when I burned out, right, you and Rob were my small group leaders. And I remember we went through a lot of moments in small group yeah. where I was just at the bottom. Yeah. And that was over 10 years ago now. But um, it was really helpful. And I know it meant a lot. First of all, I look back, it meant an awful lot to me to have a handful of people close to me who were really with me and not trying to fix me every 30 mm. seconds, mm -hmm. but just you, you've got, let's, let's talk about that for a moment. Empathy. Yeah. I would say that's one of your gifts that mm. you are an empathetic person. Oh yeah. 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 I did. I did all those personality surveys that always comes out. Oh the really? Top. Yep. So empathy. what's empathy to you? Yeah. It's, it's getting in someone else's skin for the moment and feeling the experience from their perspective. Yeah, that's and a so, good definition. And I only get to go there if I ask questions. How are you doing? How are you processing it? Like, what does that make you think about? Are you distracted by, you know, your current issues? And, and so, and I think that's how God designed us. I mean, mm -hmm. God was all about putting people on the planet for each other. Of course, God is, you know, relational himself and wants so much for us to be in relationship with him. But, and maybe I got an extra dose of that relationship stuff because <laughs> I, I just think it's, it's part of my God-given personality is to seek out relationship and to seek it out authentically. And when I 
pick up and intuit that there is another emotion at play in your answer, in, you know, your behavior at a particular small group evening and you're extra quiet or you're extra talkative about the weather, (laughs) then I just seem to have a sense. Yeah, you pick up on those cues. That there's more. And then I go there. And if the invitation is well-received, then that is when I have had beautiful encounters with people. So what does that mean? You've used that phrase a few times. What is a beautiful encounter? What is a real conversation to you? Whether that person is part of your church, your small group, or somebody from work who like wouldn't even consider themselves spiritual, let alone Christian. So can I give you an example? Yeah, yeah, totally. So I interview someone on my podcast program, and uh, her name is Marissa Rodway Norman. Mm-hmm. She and her wife uh, have been friends of mine and Rob's um, over the last five, six years. We're medical colleagues. Yeah. And uh, and so through work, we developed a you know professional relationship, but then it spilled out over into uh, similar social circles, and we started to have uh, time we were spending together outside the hospital. Yeah, the whole social universe revolves around Robin Rose's <laughs> house, by the way. If you're anywhere north of Toronto, it all leads that. back to their house, just so you know. We have ended up at some evenings and dinner parties, and then there you go, like opportunity <laughs> for conversation. My children are otherwise taken care of. They're still young enough. They go to bed before sometimes the real conversations happen. Mm-hmm. And I'm undistracted and I can have good talks with people. Yes. And so, I mean, I remember just uh, getting to know, uh, well, getting to know Mark at that time because uh, he was uh, a male psychiatrist. And uh, this was a few years ago. And it was one evening at a, a, a get together at a mutual friends of ours that he just leaned in during the conversation and said to my husband and and me, um, the party had kind of dwindled down to about four or five of us, trusted friends there. And he said, I want to tell you something. And I was like, wow, okay, what's up? And actually, to be honest, I thought that this was going to be a confession of an alternative sexual orientation. You know, gay. I thought that yeah. Mark was going to tell me. Even though he's married. Just you, seemed, yeah. yeah. So, but... It was in that conversation that Mark said to me, I'm transgender. Mm. And I, to be honest, said, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> That's such a rose thing. And it's almost embar- <laughs> it's embarrassing to admit. I mean, I'm but medical. But this was a few years ago, yeah, right? I'm medical. This was about four or five years ago. <laughs> I should have you know, had the definition of transgender nailed. But I was like, okay, born a man wants to be a woman. Born a woman wants... Like, I, I was like, I was just quickly running through the definition... Anyhow, that conversation went from from that admission of something new and different and that was being held in secret for a couple of decades, I was to come mm-hmm. to find out, mm-hmm. and a secret life that was being lived. But, but now, because we had come into a, a social circle that had been getting together fairly re- frequently, this was something that Mark, who said to me, and my female preferred name is going to be Marissa, and so I want you to refer me to as that. And in the next short while, I'm going to start appearing more as a, as a woman. I'm going to start dressing in woman's clothing. I'm going to start to wear a wig. I'm going to do my hair differently. I'm going to wear makeup. I'm going to wear heels. I'm going to start looking like a woman because I am transgender, which means I have been born a man, but I most identify with female gender, and I want to live my life out now as a woman. Right. 
Now, that is button pushing for a lot of people. And it's button pushing for a lot of Christians. Let's just be really honest about that. The issue that. of transgender. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. How you you don't judge people intuitively, do you? What were what were you So there was no judgment that was yeah. part of that conversation. Yeah, no, I know. I know. I mean, so tell was, me tell me how that happened. That was a pretty raw confession because here was a a professional colleague of mine who was coming out with this private piece of information and I, I i i was i was instantly curious i instantly needed the definition clarified but i also knew like i said this was a this was a gift this was someone choosing to be honest with their stuff and i mean i grew up in conventional church oh, yeah. i i grew up um mennonite yeah mennonite and then my parents attended a baptist church i I confessed my sins and asked Jesus Christ into my heart when I was five years old mm. and then mm. continued, you know, with summer camps and Sunday school and youth group. And that's, those were my formative years. And I would say I grew up with a very conventional, conservative Christian mindset around uh, LGBT or alternative sure. sexuality uh, choices. And, and, there was a, a lot of growing that I did um, through my university years, through my medical school training, um, that I had to work out with my Christian identity. Mm -hmm. And I have come to a place where I think differently than I used to. Sure. Um, and just to fast forward, you know, here I found myself in a conversation with someone who I highly respected. He's a, a psychiatrist on staff. And, and yet our conversation was going that one layer deeper. He was choosing to be uh, honest about some of his personal stuff. And all the while, I mean, this is in the context of me having been also very open and about my stuff. He knew she, and here's the pronouns, you know, that mm -hmm. get mixed up, mm -hmm. um, that I attend our, a, a community church, that I'm a Christian, that I read my Bible. So, you know, whatever stereotypes that was conjuring up in his mind. Because it does produce a stereotype. Like, you're the kind of person who should yeah. hate me, right? Yeah. Because as I got to know, and I'm getting to know Marissa better, she's had she's been burned by the church. Yeah. She's been burned by people who call themselves Christians. And she has really been hurt. Mm. And... Uh, yeah. Tony and I were at a social function a couple months ago, and it's not like, you know, particularly in church world, I spend a lot of time with transgendered people. And sometimes I read, you know, about Jesus ministry, and mm. I'm going to preach on this soon, but, but, you know, he's hanging out with people like he hung out with prostitutes. And I'm mm. like, I don't even know anybody who does that. Mm. Like, I can't because I don't, well, I guess I could, mm -hmm. but, but, you know, like, mm -hmm. I don't actually even know the kind of people that he would associate with. So we're at this social function and yeah. it was one of those random social functions and who sits next to me in between me and another evangelical Christian, but uh, a transgendered woman, uh -huh. formerly a man, a, a classmate of Tony's that okay. was a man when he graduated and right. is now a woman. Okay. And so of all the places she could have sat right. during this dinner, okay. she sat between two, a preacher and an evangelical Christian. So, and did you recognize her? Well, I kind of, like, I knew that person from previous reunions, yes, yes. but it was a new category. And as we sat down and as we had dinner, I mean, you're going to make conversation with the people around you. Right. 
it just gave me a whole new perspective. It's really the first transgender person that I had a conversation yeah. like over multiple hours with. Yeah. And it gave me a lot of empathy and a lot of them. We talked about how the church treats people like her. And you did. in there, oh yeah. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. And in there, you know, I saw, and it's distorted like it is in me as it is in you, the yes. image of God. Like this is somebody yeah. that God actually created. Now yeah. you can argue all day long about is there confusion? Were there issues in their childhood? Right. Why did this happen? You can, you can argue all day long about that. Right. Um, but, you know, I wonder if that is the kind of conversation or dialogue Jesus himself would have had. Exactly. Carrie, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, here you were, an opportunity to have a conversation with someone who is not like you. Yeah. And you were then able to open up the conversation and I, it's going back to the question that you asked me about how how do you not judge? I think it's so easier to judge when you stay on the outside of someone else's experience, right? Mm-hmm. You get this us, you get, you get this me versus them mentality, and nothing challenges it because you've not engaged with them. You only They're a stereotype. It exists in your mind what that person must be like, why they mm-hmm. made the choices that they did, why they behave in a certain way. And that lasts only so long as going to that person and saying, hello, (laughs) this is me. Who are you? How are you? Can we have a conversation? Can I tell you a little bit about me or can I ask some questions about you? And I think when that's a sincere pursuit, the judgment falls away because can I tell you my absolute favorite quote? Go ahead. It's, um, blessed is the rich king who sits down next to the poor beggar and thinks on what they have in common. Mm. You know, Mm. you know, you will find that they're the people that you identify as different than you have a lot more in common with you than you think. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's interesting because my experience is people love engaging with you. Like they really do. Unchurched mm-hmm. people, people who would never find themselves in church, transgender people, like mm. people people kind of flock to you in the same way that the outsiders, I'm not comparing you to Jesus, but you know, <laughs> there you go. I got to look around for my yeah. little flock the next time. <laughs> yeah. but, but it's usually my it, children. Unchurched people, unchurched people loved Jesus and I wonder if it's because it's the first time they didn't feel judged hmm. and and that they felt listened to and heard and understood, which is very different from agreeing, hmm. you know? I'm not yes. necessarily going to agree sure. with every choice that oh, somebody yeah. who's... Well, first of all, I don't agree with all the choices I make. So, you know, yeah. I got a problem right there sure. in me. And, you know, mine may not be in terms of transgender or whatever. I just have problems treating people like human beings. And I have problems cutting people Mm. off and what I think about people. Mm. And, you know, man, I got a lot of work to do. Mm. So, but, (laughs) but, you know, and I think, I think that's one of the things that we miss. It's like, well, why are there no unchurched people around? Or uh, why are all my friends Christian? It's because like attracts like and keeps like, Uh right? So Uh birds of a feather flock together. So we're like each other. We Uh think alike. We agree the same way. We vote the same way. Yes, I know. And so it's just my little huddle. And then everybody else is a them and we're a we. Mm -hmm. And what you do when you have engaging, empathetic, open, non-judgmental conversations is all of a sudden 
that tribe just got a lot bigger and you realize, wow, we we really have a lot more in common than just our differences. Yeah, it's a security and an insecurity mm. thing. I mean, I think, here's my commentary on the human experience. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. This is big. Oh, yeah, gosh. This is big. <laughs> I'm sitting in a big seat. I gotta to say tweet. some big stuff. But it is it is common to us all that we walk through our lives and size ourselves up. We are constantly sizing ourselves up. How do I compare to that person? How am I, you know, when you measure me up against that person's accomplishments or how they dress or how they look or what their, you know, recent promotion was. And so when you go, um, when you when you are walking through life that way, mm-hmm. constantly sizing yourself up, you are, I mean, it's it's a commentary on your insecurity, Right. And so it makes me feel that much better when I can put some people in a category beyond me and say, oh, I'm, I'm not like that person or I'm a little bit better mm-hmm. than that person. I obviously made a better choice than that person. I stayed in school a little extra long yeah. and worked hard and therefore I got my job, which is different than that person. It's easy to do. Economic discrimination, right? Sure. Yeah. Sure. And, and, and that that just full blown is is judgment and isolating and 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 it's it's the epitome of self righteousness. Yeah, it really is, which puts you in bad biblical company. If you it's were wondering, just wrong. It's wrong yeah. for the person you are judging. It's wrong for you. You cut yourself short. You really sell yourself short mm. when you peel away the judgments that you've maybe made, and you go and you open up the conversation with someone who you know is not aligned with you, especially, Mm -hmm. hey, spiritually, someone who is not aligned with me, they have identified as an atheist or they've identified as, uh, as, as Muslim or Jewish or of another, um, religious group altogether. Well, I want to go and have the conversation with that person and, and, and open up the relationship. So this is interesting because if you've listened thus far and you haven't shut this off, <laughs> if you haven't, I appreciate it because we're we're going places a lot of people don't go in in their conversations or their podcasts. But you know, it would be very tempting to think, oh, well, basically you're just saying they're okay, you're okay, let's just agree to coexist. But the reality is, and I know this because we got almost 15 years as friends, and you've been part of our church for that long, sure. m- not all, but many of these friendships have resulted in people committing their lives to Jesus, right. being baptized, and becoming followers of Christ, becoming actual Christians. Right. So, we, yeah. I, I mean, I could list off over yeah. a dozen names of yeah. friends whose baptism... I know, because, you know, we live on the lake, and we've hosted yeah, baptisms with some friends of mine who were house. outside of church, came to church in small group baptized in our backyard. And who five years later are still tracking with Jesus. Yeah. Eight years later, sure. still tracking with Jesus. Yeah. Like still, their lives are aligned around biblical principles. Mm-hmm. And so tell me a little bit about that. Mm. So you start with this open, empathetic, how are you? How are you for real? Like, you know, <laughs> classic Rose. How are so, you? How are you for real? <laughs> Don't me. lie to me. Are you going to tell me? me? No? Okay, I'm going to move on. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, so you're in those kinds of relationships. Uh-huh. And then how do you bridge faith? Like, how do you talk about, how do you make the invitation? Your husband, Rob, says, you know, I say, man, Rob and Rose, there are some of our best inviters. He's like, it's all Rose. That's what Rob <laughs> says. It's all Rose. I don't do anything. How do I bridge faith? Yeah. Well, my, I'm, I'm, I'm a rock solid Christian person. I yeah. trusted Jesus with my life as a little girl. Like in the mm. sweetness of that confession in my little Baptist church, that was absolutely honest and real to me. And I have sought out Christian growth opportunities through InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. Sure. And uh, and for sure now for my husband and I in at Connexus Church, I'm a Christian person. So if I am having a conversation with someone about who they are and their stuff, well, it's only natural to me that some of my stuff comes out too. Mm. And if our conversation ever turns towards a challenge that someone's facing, a diagnosis that they recently received, just a parenting issue that they're having, I know where I go with that stuff. I go to God with that stuff. I mean, I've had, you know, I love to run. You know that about oh, me. Oh, yeah. yeah so a big runner of, and a cyclist. Woo-hoo. So some of my best conversations have actually been when I've been out for long runs, like training for a marathon. We're talking like 30-kilometer runs. It takes me three hours to do those <laughs> runs. And I'll be sometimes with a group of girlfriends. We're all training for a marathon and lots of opportunity for conversation. And stuff comes out, you know, this is what's going on in my marriage or this is how difficult it is with me and my teenager right now. And these are open, real, raw stories. And I I wouldn't know how, as a friend, to even give advice. But I would say, wow, when things get that tough for me, I pray about it. Yeah, I take that to God. I mean, just recently, I had a friend of mine who was contemplating separating from her husband. And I totally got it. Like, this wasn't one-sided. This was like two people who had hurt each other, kids involved. And it was, it was, not, it was not healthy, the current yeah. relationship that they were in. And we went for long runs and we talked and talked. And I knew, like, my heart for her was that she'd reconcile with her husband. She even wanted that, mm. that they would do well together and re, uh, reinforce their marriage. But I believe the only way that was going to get fixed was if God was going to show up huge (laughs) in their marriage. Sometimes it's like only God can fix this. And and it's actually true. Yeah. Only Jesus can heal this. Yeah. So the conversation went there for sure. Wow. And, And so, and I'll tell you, like that friend of mine, she never came around. I mean, this was a couple years ago. She never came around to my way of thinking. Mm. She hasn't trusted her life to Jesus. She doesn't identify as a Christian. But we run together. Turns out her marriage fell apart. I mean, this is just one specific yeah, example, yeah, sure. right? Um, but wow, our relationship certainly got much more deeper. That's another thing that I've seen you do well is people are not projects to you. People are people. So if somebody never comes to church, if somebody came to church and they stopped attending, you know, you haven't got this little like, oh, different column, different category. No, I know. But you see how counterintuitive that is? Not everybody who's listening to this would understand that. Why? I don't know. You got to ask them. (laughs) Go ahead. Listen, my natural default, the way sin has wired me, 
it would be like, well, if you don't share my values, then we can't hang out. And one of my major growth opportunities over the last few years is to hang in there with relationships. I had somebody over to my house last night. You know, we've invited him, oh, dozens of times. And all we did was we talked about the neighborhood. He helped me with a little project. We talked about the neighborhood. Sure. And he's like, man, you guys are like the best neighbors we've ever had. And I'm just like, that's great. And I'm thinking just come to church. Like, I, I know Jesus would turn your life yeah. inside out. Right. But he hasn't said yes yet, but I want him to know he is going to be my friend. Right. No matter what. Right. We're going to ride together. We're going to hang out together. Right. I'm going to help him when he needs my help. And, and then, Carrie, as your friendship evolves, he will talk to you about his stuff. Like, you'll oh, find yeah. out that this or that, I mean, no one's life is ever perfect. We've all got challenges every day. Yeah. And... And then you're going to know from having your own relationship with God, like what grounds you and, you know, who you put your trust in for the big stuff. And that can then spill over because your friend is going to be looking to you and and then you're honest. Like then you get honest about your stuff. Like if he tells you he's feeling burnt out, then you get honest and you say, I've been there. Yep. And then he says, well, how'd you get out of that? You seem to be kind of have it all together right now. Guys have a harder time with that kind of conversation than women do, I think. But <laughs> if he ever you. asked me that, I would have a good answer. And sometimes I volunteered it. You know what? That would be something I would pray about. But And I'll tell yeah. him, I'll pray for you. And every single time he says, thank you. Yes. And empathy, I just want to say this too. It's just huge because I always try to have one or two people that I'm walking with. And in my case, they're guys because, right. you know, boundary Great. thing. Sure. But anyway... Uh, there's one guy that just became a Christian, but I've been tracking with him for 10 years and his marriage is on the rocks. And Uh it's been a lot of text messages because I've been on the road a lot lately. Yes. But, you know, almost daily, how's it going? And he's like, oh, I think we're going to make it. No, we're not. Then he moved out again. And, you know, he knows my bias is like fight for your marriage. Uh But the other day he was like, yeah, it's over. It's over. And I'm Mm. like, just just don't make decisions on a bad day. Like go see a counselor before yeah. you before yeah. you make you know decisions you're going to live with for 20 or 30 or 40 years the rest of your life and yeah. that impacts so many other people and so you know today I got and and I'm trying not to judge mm-hmm. I'm trying not to judge I'm trying not to mm-hmm. to do that and then today I get a text hey we're talking again and I'm going to see the yeah. counselor and I'm like yes you know yeah so but, doesn't that draw you in I mean those oh, yeah. texts that are coming your way he's confiding in you like don't you feel completely drawn into that totally and it's, yeah. it's a different world than the one not that we haven't had marriage issues mm-hmm. myself mm-hmm. but like you know it's a very different world and I think it, it you know definitely preachers it makes you a better preacher because you understand this is where most people live right and you know here's my little pastoral hat okay uh, back when I used to do pastoral care right. I'm not very good at it and our church is <laughs> too big now <laughs> right um, it was it was like I would always one of the questions I would always ask people and I would particularly of men I would say so who are you talking to about this right number one answer yes nobody yeah brutal I'm like, what? Like, there's nobody, not a friend. No, my friends, we talk about yeah, sports. Well, what about what about your wife? No, we haven't talked in years. Okay. You know, well, like, who? A brother? No, nobody. Yeah, Which is why you're with this stranger in his office. Yeah. You know, now yeah. we pay people to be our friend. We call yeah. them counselors. counselors. Exactly. Yeah. And so when you're empathetic, and this is why I think people are so open to the kinds of friendships and dialogue that you have. Right. Number one, you really care. It's not an act. Number two, mm. hmm. It's so rare. Like, 
Like people, hmm. most people are only interested in themselves. They're not interested in other people. Hmm. And when somebody comes along and they're there with you and they care for you, it's just rare. What are you thinking? You, make me, you-, you make me sound so amazing. I just want to listen to my own, this own <laughs> podcast playback. <laughs> I, I, I know I am driven for authentic relationships. Yeah. And this has worked out for me in so many uh, examples and has brought about some rich experiences, including sharing my faith. Yeah. Um, it hasn't. It hasn't always worked out, and I certainly don't want to like size myself. But it has up. a lot. It I mean, I lot. can point to a ton of baptisms that are like, well, that's a Robin Rose thing. Rob uh, would say that's a Rose thing. It's a God thing, ultimately. Yeah. But He uses people to extend the invitation. Yeah. So, how do you invite people to church? Let me let me break this down. It's it's an extension of our conversation. Sometimes. I I can go there pretty quick. I'll I'll give you an example. Okay. So um, a nursing colleague at work, we talk about our kids. We're both on Facebook, and so we're comparing. Even recently, the season of Halloween, comparing Halloween costumes and what did your kids go dressed up as? Yeah. And then I say, well, our kids got dressed up a whole day early because at our church, actually, it was come to church in your costume right, morning right, on right. that Sunday, which was before Halloween, and so. And then I jump from there and I say, yeah, it's so great. My kids are so excited about church. You know, when I when I grew up, I attended a church where I wasn't actually that excited about my Sunday school. But what I love so much about the church that I found in our community is my kids really love to go there. And um, do you guys attend a church in town? Um, what's it like for you guys? And honestly, sometimes if the conversation then turns around to the church that they're going to and is great for them, fantastic. Then we That's have a awesome. great conversation about how... They love their church. I love my church. Awesome. And now I know something new about that person. But but I, yeah, I mean, I look. See, but you see how organic that is? That isn't yeah. just like, here, come to my church. No. It's not robotic. <laughs> it's very natural. It's woven into the fabric of the relationship and the conversation. Yeah. And you're naturally a very enthusiastic person. So it would not be out of character for you to go, man, you should totally come to our church. Yeah. Yeah. I can yeah. see you doing that. Totally. I mean, I know it's been good for me. Yeah. So I like to include people. And I do attend a church that it's easy to invite people to. It's accessible. Um, I love... Great. It better part- be a good church. <laughs> and I know Rob yes. has texted me on a Saturday night. He's like, what are you preaching on tomorrow? Better not be money. <laughs> I'm like, oh, good. They're bringing friends out. That's great. Okay. Hey, Rob, it's money. <laughs> can, I, can I tell you a very yeah, private yeah. conversation yeah. that Rob and I have had before? Sure. You know, we've invited com- we've invited friends. It's, it is Saturday night. And uh, we're looking ahead to that Sunday morning and we both say like, oh man, like whatever Carrie's preaching tomorrow better not suck. It better be great because we got our friends sitting right beside us. And you, li- I listen to the message through totally different ears when yeah. I've got my friends who are unchurched, who are checking out Christianity for the first time very much differently than when I come to church by myself. Put you on pins and needles. I mean, we've had yeah. friends. I mean, even as the guy up there with the microphone taped to his face, you know, <laughs> I I freak out when I'm like, oh, they're here. And then it's like, oh, your message goes through a whole other filter, even though I try to keep that filter yeah. handy. Yeah. And that's great. But yeah. yeah, you need to have, and this is why we're so passionate as a North Point church, you know, to have a church that unchurched people yes. hopefully love to attend. Yes. And for the most part, people seem to. Yes. And, you know, we've seen many 60% of our growth is people who don't have a church background, which yes. is great. Yes. So, okay. Yes. So you you naturally extend the invitation. If it's, do you give up after one try? No, 
because no. my friendship doesn't end there. Right. And honestly, you know, we, I, whenever, if, if it's a close friend that it comes up time and time again, I have, mm-hmm. I go to church every Sunday. I'm involved in a small group. This is a part of my weekly goings on when I share about what I'm up to, it spills over into the conversation and and I'm I'm constantly inviting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are. I know. I am because I just I just think that's a great a great idea. And it is it's what I'm up to. I share what I'm up to. I I I honestly believe that if you walk through life without God, you're missing out. Yeah. Me too. I really do. Yeah. And so it's what I want for them, not what I want from them. Yeah. Right. And I just can't wait for that person who I've been inviting to church, who I've been inviting uh, into faith, who I've been inviting into a relationship uh, with Jesus and trusting their life to them. I can't wait for that person to Mm. sit across from me and say, here it is, Rose. Like, this is my story now. Mm. This is how I came from this life without God, without acknowledging Jesus, without knowing Mm. And now I've tapped in. Now I'm trusting. Like now I have surrendered my will. I I can't put those words in anyone's mouth. But when they mm. come to me and share that with me, oh, home run. Like yeah, you're tearing up right now and yeah. I'm starting to tear up. <laughs> yeah. That no, that is that is great. There's nothing more powerful than when somebody that you care about and somebody who is a friend, Yeah, decides to follow Jesus. Sure. Yeah. Because it enhances their entire well-being. Like I would want anyone who's, you know, who's fallen and can't get up to get help or who is sick and been recently diagnosed, like to be, you know, treated effectively and therapeutically. And so our, when I, my bias is that our heart condition is sick without, without knowing God. And if so, someone comes and says to me, I've applied this remedy. I have opened up to the truth about who created me, who loves me, and I'm experiencing unconditional love. Well, fantastic. I mean, I bought into it a long time ago. I am a Christian. But if someone now comes and tells me that this is new and it's 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 newly amazing for them, I love that. Yeah. And you... you okay, let me ask you this. I got like four or five questions. So... <laughs> You keep coming back. But again, I think the mistake is to always talk about it or never talk about it, right? Right. If somebody's a oh, little yeah. bit resistant, like, okay, well, I invited them once, they said no, so I'll never talk about it again. Or you always talk about it where it's like, okay, I feel like I'm a project. And I think you're right. It comes up organically and naturally in the flow of conversation. So sure. just while like, all the while being real with my own stuff. Yeah. Like I never was like, I'm a Christian, so I got it all figured out. Oh, you got that <laughs> problem, here's the solution. You got that problem, here's the solution. I admit some of my embarrassing, like yucky stuff sometimes to people who I am also inviting into relationship with God. And I sometimes stand back and like, oh my gosh, now they totally know, you know, a little bit more about me, but that's that. But that makes you real Mm. and and it makes you relatable, Hmm. right? I always think people admire your strengths, but they resonate with your weaknesses. Mm -hmm. It's like, they're like, ah, they're just like me. (laughs) Well, yeah, sometimes a lot worse, I promise you. (laughs) A lot worse than you. Yeah. Yeah. Just redeemed. Okay, that's good. What um, And you continue to track with people for years, whether they become Christians or not. Like we have some very good mutual friends yeah. that 
we baptized now two or three years ago. And, yeah. you know, we sat next to them in church on Sunday. Their daughter yes. was singing on stage. Yes. And, yes. and we see whole families come yes. to faith yes. in, we in have. Christ, which is oh, amazing. Oh, we have. Exactly. I know exactly who you're speaking of. Yeah. And I remember the day after having attended church together for a little while that I got a text and it said, I just read in Matthew yep. about... And I don't even remember exactly the scripture, but the point in the text was, I just read this passage, I followed up on a message from Sunday morning, and I get it. I am going to surrender. That was her word, mm -hmm. capital S, because prior to that, we had been able to talk about her hang up with the word surrender. She'd been walking through life and had a lot figured out, very accomplished, well, uh, well family, and well-respected family. And she started coming to church, and she quickly figured it out. Like, I just haven't surrendered my life, and I, I've got an issue with that. And when she sent me the text and said, today, today I surrender, mm. I, it was... I went out for a run. <laughs> it was one of those runs where sometimes I run with my feet and my hands are in the air. Oh my gosh, I can be pretty holy on my runs sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I we just, live in the country. There's yeah, nobody we around. We do, right? we do. Yeah. yeah, beautiful side road. And uh, my hands were up sometimes because I just felt like this was the huge hug from heaven, however cliche-ish yeah. that sounds, because that day I had witnessed my good friend get it and understand. And it was all for her. Mm. But I got to be in the front row seat and she texted me first. Mm. And and she went on to get baptized and her relationship with God has only grown and has been a huge cornerstone for her. Yeah. And that. you never know, you know, just because I know a lot of people, you've, mm. you've, you're like, oh, I just wish, wish I had one story like that. That's the difference between your house and my house. There's no Kleenexes here. Sorry, Rose. <laughs> Where's Rose the is like wiping her eyes. <laughs> It's a guy's <laughs> office. I'm sorry. It works. I got sleeves. I got sleeves. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, you know, the, the challenge is, uh, I think it was Billy Graham or this could be apocryphal, but, you <sighs> know, it takes about seven people to, seven interventions yes. by different people to lead someone to sure. the line of faith. And the first person to talk about Jesus feels that they played zero role. Sure. And the last person takes all the credit, right? Yes. But the reality is in some of those stories, yes. like you may be person number three or exactly. number five. Exactly. In, in our friend's case, you were sure. number seven. And so that's really cool. You get a couple <laughs> of sevens in your life or in a because year. honestly, Carrie, at the end of the day, yeah. I am not responsible for someone surrendering their life to Jesus. Mm -hmm. I am a Christian, and I would love, for, as you've heard me express, love for people to understand and get God's unconditional love for them and just fall into that, relax into that, and just live their life in the fullness of knowing that. Fantastic. But if it's not going to be that I hear that confession, that that's shared with me, that that friend goes there— I mean, my hands are off. I have, I just like, it's, it is no big deal. Like it yeah. is, it is not me losing sleep. It is, it is all it's about, trusting it to God's it bigger is purpose. all about the work that God will continue to do in their hearts and minds. And who am I to really go about manipulating any sort of circumstance or they should come to church this Sunday and then they're going to do that and then they're going to pray and then they're going to come to this Bible study and then bam, it's going to, that's, that's not it. Mm. It's, it is 
living authentically alongside people that are in your circle and being real with you yourself, asking good questions, and then you get to see what unfolds, what naturally unfolds. Yeah, and you know, it's you, you were saying unconditional love. It is really hard to show someone unconditional love conditionally. And mm-hmm. we try to do that all the time. Mm-hmm. If you, then I will. Yeah. If you, then. And and I think that's a mistake. Okay, a couple of things I want to get to before sure. we're done. This conversation, like many of our uh-huh. dinner parties or whatever, <laughs> could go on all day, all night. It's great. Good. Um, but here here's, here's uh, a question for you, because we have a lot of church leaders listening, yes. whether they're staff, senior pastors, or elder board members, you know, yes. heavily involved volunteers. When you invite your friend to church, yes, that is a big day. Yes. Everyone's heart rate goes up, including the preachers when yeah. they get those Saturday night texts from you or Rob. <laughs> Whoa, what are yeah. you talking about? Yeah. And those are always Don't good. Suck. They're always welcome. Don't suck today, <laughs> right? My friend's coming. Right. What What are some turnoffs? What are some mm-hmm. bad things that are like, oh man, if our church did this, that would be a complete disaster? And conversely, what are some things mm-hmm. that you think, hey, this really works for our unchurched friends? What are two or three markers that oh. you are like, these are these are non-negotiables? Well, you know, something maybe not... Well, I think it's significant. So just navigating a new place. Like when you come to church for the first time on a Sunday, you really can feel like you're showing up at a party you weren't necessarily invited to. Like it's all, everything's been going on in the background. There's the church people have set it all up and you walked into those doors. You walked into like a private club. Sure. It's, you're tapping into an entire subculture that exists and you're not a part of it. You yeah. just decided that day, for whatever reason, you're going to walk into it. Well, then from that moment, it needs to be easy to navigate. It's a practical thing. But I have seen people come um, to churches in the past, and I think our church actually does a really good job of this. But um, if they can't figure out where they're going to drop off their kids or where the actual main theater is, or even simple things like, okay, I've showed up now, but how long am I going to be here? Um, Just those simple things can really make you feel uncomfortable because you you end up tapping people on the shoulder and like, uh, do you know where, you know, where, where do I drop the kids off? Yeah. And you maybe know nobody. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when you invite your friends, you don't just like randomly have them show up. You guys like do church together, right? You yeah. meet them at a set time. Oh, yeah. Time, Text you go me. I'll meet you lunch. in the foyer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. Okay. Yes, for sure. What are some other things that are kind of really important? Well, I. So, for sure, a place for your kids. Um, I mean, I'm that's my parenting stage of life. Clean, safe. Yes, exciting. exactly. Predictable mm-hmm. and uh, and very clearly communicated. And and then that is just not weird with the singing. You come to church and there's going to always be singing, yeah. usually. It's just not weird with the singing. So what's weird? Well, I mean, weird we do the band is and- some, of the, some of the worship choruses that I grew up singing. I think about them sometimes, like sometimes like lyrics about military and army and marching. And right. you're like, or, or, or the blood or going to, like these are all Christian analogies that we understand have significance and are based in scripture. But if you just ask someone to come into your church and sing these words out loud, it's like, what is that? 
mean. And when I sing them, when I've got my non-church friends sitting beside me, I feel weird singing them. I'm like, this isn't really relevant. This is this is just a little bit odd. So, mm. um, and then you feel like you have to end up apologizing for that afterwards. So yeah, I sorry want about that. the music <laughs> and the <laughs> lyrics to the songs to actually be thoughtful and relevant and and reflect um, on, on on that person's experience. And we come to church with thoughts about what does it all mean? And, you know, life can be tough and challenging. Yeah. Fantastic. There's beautiful church-appropriate songs that reflect that element of the human experience. And let's gather together and, 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 and sing words like that, I think. What about preachers? When, when, when do I do a good job? When do I do suck. a bad job? Don't suck. Okay, that's it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tape that to my computer. Uh, Don't suck. I think it's important to acknowledge, and I want you as the preacher, when my non-church friend is sitting in the audience, that they don't have a lot of pre-assumed Bible knowledge, yep. that they um, sometimes didn't even really want to be here and to just acknowledge that. They did <laughs> their friend a favor, so they right. came. Um, certainly that they haven't, that you you don't assume that they've bought into Christianity. Right. And As we all know, eh, nope. Yes, nope. or exactly, or 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 making references to the Bible and to Scripture and assuming that people understand where it's all coming from. Right. And, and if your language ever slips into us versus them, like we are the salt and light of the earth, and right. we need to go and preach the good news to those people out there. Oh my gosh. Like yeah. you have just erected a brick wall and I don't even want to bring my friend back. Because those people are right here and <laughs> yeah. they're, yeah. First of all, I'll apologize for you don't do this. And so you're, you know, making me speak of, uh, you know, being facetious in an analogy. But yeah, that would make me feel very uncomfortable yep. sitting next next to my non-church friend and having the the pastor in his message uh, assume that we are like-minded and we gather today today to be together as like-minded Christians um, to go and save the lost, all the yeah. people that are outside of these walls. We <laughs> so no, which which to a certain level we agree with. It's just that is not the place or the forum to talk that way. Uh, and remember, those people, if you're doing your job, they're in the room, and you speak differently yeah. when they're and you don't speak inauthentically. It's just you're sensitive to that. In, in, yeah. In a respectful way. In a respectful way. Everybody brings something to the table. Honestly, like I have medical colleagues that are hugely intelligent and have amazing credentials in our community. And if I'm going to bring a physician friend, for example, um, to church on a Sunday morning, I want that person to be respected. They may never have opened a Bible, but I I want them to not feel mocked because of that. Yeah. The way I think of it as a preacher is assume intelligence, but not background. In other words, let's assume they're smart. Let's yes. assume they've thought through these issues, but let's not assume they know who King David is. Let's right. not assume that they know what the Old Testament is or the New Testament. Is. So right. assume intelligence. Don't right. be condescending, right. but don't assume background and create a 30-second runway like, for example, if you're going into a story of King David, mm-hmm. hey, King David is mm-hmm. probably one of the most influential mm-hmm. monarchs. He brought Israel to the state of a superpower mm-hmm. about a thousand years before Jesus. So this mm-hmm. is from the Old Testament. That's a part of the Bible before Jesus. And we met, meet King David mm-hmm. at the height of his power. Mm-hmm. Boom. That 
20 seconds, and sure. half the Christians have forgotten that anyway or <laughs> never knew it. So it's like, oh, okay. Yes. Right? Or 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 put the the um the slideshow in order. Yeah. It's like, well, Moses was a great leader, but David, who came right. after him, was right. even better. Right. To a, to an extent. Well, you know what I mean. Yes. Just yes. you know, arrange the the slideshow in, right. in proper order. Okay, no, those are those are good tips. Now mm. What we're going to do is in the show notes, we're going to link to, I've got three interviews that I'd like to link into our show notes. Sure. Definitely Marissa. You did a two-part interview with yes. Marissa and her wife. Yes. Yeah. And I know that's very mind-bending for a lot of people. Yeah. And I'll, I'll warn you, it's a PG-13. Do it not is. play that interview with yep. your children in the car yep. because they. it's a refreshingly candid conversation. It is. It is. But she speaks of her transformation from being a man, man to becoming to a, woman. a woman. And because we uh, are, I am a faith-based show, we talk about the spiritual aspect of her transitioning. Yep. So I ask her her thoughts on God. And if you want an example of listening without judgment, just listen to that. It is hmm. unbelievable. It's masterful. Also loved your interview with Dimitri Guller. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. And so we'll link to that one. And then there's one that's really close to my heart okay. because you interviewed my wife. Yeah. Yeah. I loved sitting and down with Tony. So we talked about, um, well, in this podcast and other places, my burnout, but mm-hmm. she went through a really tough period around the same time. And mm-hmm. so you interviewed her while well, we're recording this months in advance, but mm-hmm. uh, we will link to all of those show notes as well as your podcast, where basically you just sit down with people you know, yes. and you have conversations about faith and life. Mm-hmm. And so if you're looking to see what it actually means to have empathy mm-hmm. and to not judge and to genuinely be interested in other people, mm-hmm. Rose is honestly, and I, I don't say this lightly, one of the best people I've ever met in my life at it. So you'll love that. Thank you so much. Well, that's why we're having this conversation. I love... I get schooled by you all the time because I'm narrow, (laughs) judgmental, harsh, more interested in myself. No. Yeah, sure. I have seen you come to enjoy conversations with people even a little bit more than you used to. I have seen you come around and say... Well, how are you really doing? How are you really thinking about this or that? So, yeah, I, uh, I mean, we've been friends for a long time. We've seen each other mutually grow. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Rose, yeah. anything else you want to share? Well, I want to say thank you so much. Oh, you're and, welcome. And uh, you gave me an opportunity to reflect on something that's really important to me, and that's authentic conversations and uh, and and uh, and bring and putting it in a spiritual context and and my love for God, which is a really authentic part of me. Yeah, and if you're ever at the Meter House, ask them for some of their maple syrup. Hey. They make it from their own maple trees. And that's it's all crazy. Rob. That's all Rob. <laughs> he gets that's the Rob. kids to collect the sap from the buckets. <laughs> we as a family have a lot of things going on, but there's some that's him and there's some stuff that's me. Oh, that's Thank great. you. Maple hey, syrup. Rose, thanks. So Rose Zacharias Meter, my guest. What is the name you use on your podcast? So Rose my, Zacharias Meter? Yes. And my yeah. show is called Intersection. Because we talk about where real life and faith collide. So people sit down one conversation after the other and talk about a season or an experience in their life in the context of faith. So no matter where they are on a faith spectrum, I'm able to ask them questions about their life experience and ask some spiritual questions around it. That's great. Thanks so much, Rose. Thank you, Carrie. Like, is that helpful or what? I mean, I am so grateful for people like Rose and Rob in our church and uh, for the the 
relationships that they have. And you should really seriously go check out her podcast. We'll, we'll link to it in the show notes, uh, but it's called Intersection with Rose Zacharias Meter. And she interviews the most fascinating people about their faith and life. Now, some of them, you know, have been Christians for a long time, but some of them are not Christians. And it's just a fascinating dialogue. So make sure you check out that. And if you want more information, like you want to drill down a little bit, hey, we do show notes. Sometimes I get like notes. It's like, where are your show notes? Just go to leadlikeneverbefore.com, click on the blog, or there's a little search bar at the top. Just search like Rose Meter and you'll find it. Every episode has show notes for this podcast. Uh, this one you'll find at kerrynewhoff.com slash episode one, two, three. How easy is that to remember? So you can find it there. And don't forget to check out our sponsor today, our partner, Trained Up. They're at trainedup.org. They will help you train your leaders your way and Remember, the window's closing for the high-impact leader, and I would love for this to be your best year yet. I would love for you to get time, energy, and priorities working in your favor. we got a couple more days to do that. Just go to thehighimpactleader.com. This has been a fantastic year so far. I mean, James Emery White, what a smoking podcast to kick off the new year. We had Greg McEwen last week, the author of Essentialism, one of my all-time favorite books, Ken Costa, brilliant, brilliant financier, is going to be my guest next week. Then we got David Kinneman. We have a long conversation all about the state of pastors today. I've got Mike Bodum coming up about leading in the second chair. Mark Batterson is back. Jason Romano, ESPN fans, you're going to love that. Scott Sauls, Kyle Eidelman, and many more. How do you not miss this stuff? Plus the odd bonus episode. I did one last week again. You subscribe and it's free. Guess what? We're big fans of free around here. So just go to Google Play, to iTunes, to Stitcher, to TuneIn Radio. You can subscribe for free there. And if this episode has helped you, would you share it with somebody? Just share it on social media or, uh, you know, forward it to them, however you share. And if you would, leave a rating and review on iTunes. So we are back with far more next week. Can't wait to hang out next Tuesday. Thanks so much. And I hope our time together today has helped you lead like never before. You've been listening to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. Join us next time for more insights on leadership, change, and personal growth to help you lead like never before.